Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Well, Reveille, Reveille, donks. It is Monday, May 4th, 2020, and it is time for Morning Combat. Hi there, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of the hosting duo. On the other side of the screen is my partner in crime, the peanut butter to my jelly, the Connecticut Strangler himself, the one and only Brian Campbell from CBS Sports. Hi, Brian. How are you? Oh, yeah, Luke. Fired up. Turn down your mind. Relax. And float downstream. It's MK Ultra time. Brainwashing fools with an acid trip of combat cacophony since 2019. Should put, should put that on a t-shirt. Luke, I'm fired up because it's fight week. Yes, we're back, baby. Trust me, we back. But even yeah, more I'm importantly, back. Luke, if you could let me finish here. I know you have producer credits. Uh, this was a dream weekend, Luke, of weather of family, of outdoors. It was the it was the calm before the combat storm coming our way. The last free Saturday and Sunday, the weather was amazing. I got the chainsaw, the axe, the mall, chopping wood like a prime Paul Bunyan. I mean, heck, I might even get on top of my wife tonight. Woo! That's sorry, that was a Brock Lesnar reference. Um, I, I was fired up, Luke, and I think it was the perfect preparation. Okay, for what we got this week, bro. Uh, fair enough. It sounds like you are refreshed, replenished and ready to rock. I hope our viewers are as well. A couple of housekeeping notes, BC, as you well know. First of all, give the video a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel, right? We do what we do really best on this show. I mean, the last things I think we do pretty well, but live event reaction is big. So next Monday is going to be a really big show right here on M Morning Combat. So give us a, 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 a hit that old subscribe button, the notification bell, the whole nine yards. Plus, we got to give a shout out to our our corporate overloads lords here excuse me as i can barely talk today from showtime go to showtime.com right now for a 30-day free trial you like it you can keep it you don't you can get to stepping but there's lots of good content on there plus bc last friday we got to watch a couple of errol spence fights and then react to them so there's a companion product to the showtime product a lot of different ways to be a winner in this equation i would say yeah i mean look they're gonna pay us to watch old fights drink beer and crack bad jokes i'm in it people can check out the archives on youtube <coughs> excuse me look before we get into the news at hand i did want to interrupt with a little bit of breaking news no don shula not don shula's death but r.i.p he did have a great run um luke i mentioned the weather this weekend and i didn't even get a chance to ask what you did i hope you and the family had a good time is that true yeah so we had it rained all day or most of the day yesterday but saturday was spectacular now a bunch of donks 
went down to the National Mall in your nation's capital, which is the area with the grass between the Lincoln Memorial and the, and, the, and the Washington Monument and the Senate Building, and they didn't have any masks on, but your boy, he kept it socially distant, he kept it responsible, <laughs> me and the family, masks in tow. We got my daughter for her birthday last week, one of those tricycles, but it also has handles in the back so like an adult can push it at the same time. We took her all around the neighborhood. We went and got uh, we got her, her first cheeseburger. It was nice. a great little moment there with the fam. Yeah, it was a good moment with the fam as well. So I had a similar, mostly, kind of weekend to you. Well, we know UFC's coming back this week. It's fight week, Jacksonville. And this good weather, Luke, has continued over into today, Monday. And I'm getting word right now, we actually, first time in morning combat history, we've got a live report on the beach in Jacksonville. Jay, can you throw... To our reporter, oh he's going to be protesting the beaches being open, all while dressed as the Grim Reaper. And I'm actually joined by him now. I'm going to step out of the frame and hand him the mic to explain why he's here and why he is dressed the way that he is. That is awesome. Hey, everybody. Luke Thomas here. It's the Grim Reaper, I, I, right? I, I yeah. Kind of had it with <laughs> Nobody cares. Nobody who already didn't already care at all cares. Doesn't matter. Not penetrating. Uh, my message that I'm delivering, which is my fault, not getting through doing it. So either I've got to figure out a better way to do it, or I need to hit pause on it for the time being because it, it's just not working. All it's doing is getting people more confused, I think. Wow! Bad. So shout out to WebScreen for that, Luke. But uh, that's he put that together. Off. Yes, he did over in Italy. Our boy wow. Christophoros. Uh, but uh, that kind of sums up Luke Luke Thomas entering Fight Week Jacksonville. Actually, it doesn't. It's pretty inaccurate, but it is very very funny. Um, and listen, we've been over the whole equation of should it happen, should it not happen, is it safe, is it not safe. You can go back through the archives. I'll be discussing it this week. I'm sure you will too, BC. But that's not what this today is about. It's not what the topics today are about. Today we're going to get into the meat of the fight card, really. So without further ado, let's do that, BC. Uh, topic number one, if I may, this is a really simple one to state, Brian Campbell. Your main event, an interim lightweight title shot between Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson. Let's start with you, good sir. As you have rolled out the punchlines early, you seem fired up for today's program, as you always are. Who wins? Who wins the main event on Saturday and why? I love this question. Why do I love this question? Because morning comments back in the groove that it should be. We're not talking about COVID. We're not talking about should they or shouldn't they. We're not even talking about Habib and the whole situation with the lightweight title picture. How about we even put the interim for aside for a second and just focus on the fact that this is a bad-ass fight, a fight-of-the-year contender before it even happens, and one of those where, you know, we, we broke down Corrales Castillo a couple weeks ago on the, you know, celebrating the anniversary. This could really be one of those special ones. But who wins? So many unknown questions, of course, Luke, about how this uh, quarantine time will affect strategy, stamina, and really centered on Tony Ferguson, how the whole idea of taking one more big time chance before he finally gets that title shot against Habib, will he end up? shooting himself in the foot? Will he end up playing himself, DJ Khaled, from just taking too many chances? All of that is legit. There's a wild card factor for sure that we just don't know what this fight is going to look like given COVID and all that. But at the end of the day, Tony Ferguson's a better fighter than Justin Gaethje. And I think we're going to see great action, great violence, but Justin Gaethje's three-fight sort of evolution lately, which gave him three first-round knockouts and put him into legit title contention, 
he was a front runner in those moments. And that's not a criticism. He went out there, showed more technique than he normally does, and took people out. But Tony Ferguson is an A-plus fighter riding a 12-fight win streak. And I think this is the kind of matchup that is going to bring out the Justin Gaethje of old once Tony starts feeling those strikes, taking them in, and welcoming Justin into those deep waters. And Luke, when we have seen Gaethje go in there against the elites who have that big-time backbone, the Eddie Alvarez's, the Dustin Poirier's, you can finish this guy. So while certainly we're going to be looking to see where the stamina plays into the factor of both, I think once this fight starts to go on the ground, specifically around that third round, I like Tony Ferguson's chances of getting a finish big time. And he's 36. That window's closing. I think he gets to that Habib fight finally. Cosmic or not, I mean, the craziness or not, I like Tony Ferguson here. And I kind of like him convincing once he gets through the fire. Okay, fair enough. Let me, uh, let me just say this as you hear my dogs angrily barking. I'll say this. I think your analysis is basically on point. I mean, look, go back to the Lando Venata fight, which was not the fight he was supposed to have. Remember, Lando Venata was a last-minute replacement, and then he comes in there, and he kind of gave Tony the business a little bit early, but I'm using that one as a metaphor because, one, Tony, hello, won that fight, and, two, the other interesting aspect to all of this is in winning that fight, which, what did you notice about it? What did you notice in the Kevin Lee fight or any fight where someone kind of rocked him or put it on him a little bit, maybe even the Anthony Pettis fight? The answer is, they may have been able to land, but they couldn't sustain any effort on him. He is defensively vulnerable, but he's not defensively incapacitated ever. He has offense from virtually every position off of his back, from turtle, standing, hitting Granby rolls, and then he's, you know, he's launching into Darces here, and he's spinning back, elbowing there, and you're up against the fence, and he's this way. He's got offense coming and going, and that has kept him safe for the most part even when he's been tuned up a little bit in various moments. Still, I don't... I agree with you. I think Tony... Look, skills win fights, right? So I think Tony deserves to get the nod here. I think the odds makers have that. But we would be in the wrong, Brian Campbell. And you might agree with this as well if we didn't at least give a little bit of the case for Justin Gaethje here. Number one, while he did say that he would prefer the fight to be in April 18th because he didn't want to have to peak twice in short order... Nevertheless, I think that extra time overall will do him some good, right? It'll give him a little bit more time to come up with a few more pieces of the game plan to figure out exactly what he needs to do to get that right. I kind of like that extra time for him, even if he issued some of those cautions. And by the way, Tony's already cut weight once in a three-week period. I can't imagine that's great for him if it's not all that bad necessarily. But the bigger part here is you're right. Justin Gaethje has won the fights you kind of expected him to win, and he's performed ably in all of them. And the other part about the last three wins over Vic, over Barboza, and over Cerrone is you knew he had definitely improved his style. You knew he was better than he was before, but it's not exactly clear how good he was before, right? Which is to say, okay, you beat James Vick in a round. That's great, but what does that tell us? All right, you beat Barboza, but Barboza's been through a lot of wars. What does that tell us? And then Cerrone was coming off that loss to Tony Ferguson himself. So you knew that there was a difference there. You could visibly see it, but it didn't tell you about the upper bound limit. I think this fight will tell us that. And I also think while Tony was able to avoid, again, a sustained effort of attack from other folks, if there is anybody who is capable, at least of the first 15, 16, 17, maybe 18 minutes of doing that, because remember, he got put out at the end of the third round, the beginning of the fourth round in the Alvarez and Poirier fights, 
It's Justin Gaethje. If he if he rocks you and he knocks you down, he is going to be on you in a vicious and ugly and very quick way. So I think he's a heavy hitter. I think he's a, I think he is great about closing the distance. Brian Campbell. He's very good about weaving his way on the inside. He's a heavy leg kicker. That's going to make a difference to some of the movement to Tony Ferguson. So I agree with you. Tony Ferguson is your deserved favor here, but BC, surely you must agree, if there is any, and I do mean any, live dog in this equation, it's Justin Gaethje. Uh, no, no question about it. We don't want to discount that by any means. It's going to be interesting, though, because should the unique situation of this, let's say they both of their stamina is compromised, their focus is a tiny bit compromised, because it's just a weird scenario, going for this interim belt in an empty arena after a long break and all that, I still think it ends up favoring Tony if that happens because you kind of are who you are when shit hits the fan. And it didn't hit the fan for just engaging in those three fights that we referenced. So when it does, I just think Tony is in a better spot technique-wise, the ability to sustain damage-wise, and having more ways to win when they do match up. I do want to hit one thing, though, for anybody here who's a big Justin Gaethje supporter and going, what about that other part? What about sort of the cosmic karma element? Uh, Luke, sorry about that, Jay. Sorry, sorry. Uh, what about the cosmic element of the idea that how many times can Tony take this gamble before this just becomes overall a bad luck scenario and he never gets to the, to the altar, so to speak? Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. I don't know. I'm not really thinking about that. I, it's it, look. It's a very, 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 very fair question. It's a. It may be the most important question coming out of the weekend, depending on the results. I don't discount it, but I'm just thinking about the fight itself. I'm thinking about how great it's going to be. The only thing I'm really focused on on BC is. Let me ask you this. To me, a big consideration here: the longer it goes, the more it favors Tony. I think if Justin's going to win, he's going to win inside two, three at the latest. If we get to championship rounds, I think that's that's just Tony Ferguson's territory. 99 times out of 100. I'm focusing on that, and I'm focusing on the leg kicks and the big power punching. What would you say is the one or two things that Tony Ferguson has over Justin that he can't make up for? I, I think the ability on the ground, and even though Justin is has a strong wrestling background, he just doesn't use it in fights. And Tony's uh, ability to, to wrestle and almost put himself in what would be dangerous situations for others, yet we always talk about his offense on his back, his comfortability there, his ability to pull off submissions. I just think it becomes a bad equation for Justin unless he's in top, top position after having knocked down Ferguson if this fight goes to the ground. I don't think that's something he can make up in the end. And then lastly, anything that Justin has on him, you think? Like they just can't make up for? 
Well, there's always that factor that, uh, hey, we love Tony Ferguson. We celebrate that not only can he walk through hell, he almost prefers to do that. He likes to get a little on him, so to speak, to fire him up. Obviously, this is the wrong guy to test that against. Right. Yeah. And again, I think the power punching and the heavy, heavy, heavy leg kicking of Justin Gaethje is going to make a difference in the end. We'll have to see. And if we're wrong, by the way, next week, BC, we have to acknowledge it. But again, it, it, would it surprise you if Justin Gaethje won? How on earth could it? The guy is capable of doing pretty impressive things. Now, that being said, we move on to the co-main event. We've talked about this fight in detail. So let me go into a bit of a different way to analyze it. You've got no flyweight champion. He used to be it. You've got a bantamweight champion. He's defending against Cruz. We talked about the merits of the fight, but it's against a guy who's unranked and hasn't fought in nearly four years. So, to what extent is Henry Cejudo responsible for the logjam, essentially, of top contenders that you're going to see emerging here at bantamweight and for the disarray at flyweight? If I may, BC, I'll go first on this one. To me, I'm going to say halfway. My answer on this question is halfway. We'll start at flyweight. Listen, one of the lessons from the Conor McGregor era when he left featherweight and then when he ultimately got stripped, well, he left it and then got stripped and then got stripped from lightweight too, is that it's never really good for a weight class when a champion doesn't defend it and just leaves the title languishing and ultimately has to be taken from him by administrative fiat. It's never really good for it. It leaves a lot of uncertainty. You don't get that star uh, power transference from one champion to the next. You don't have this big moment. People wonder about the 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 value of having two people who didn't fight the other guy. Now they're fighting each other. How much does that really tell you about who's the real champion here? It just creates a lot of problems, and it takes time to get through that. He has some responsibility to bear there at flyweight, but the problem is then you had Devison Figueredo who didn't make weight and then wins. It's like, okay, well, that's now a flyweight problem. So he helped make some of that mess there, but the flyweights also helped make that mess with him. On the bantamweight side of things, the pandemic has created a weird situation, which I won't say was good for Segudo. It's, it's not really good for anybody, except maybe Zoom and Amazon and, and grocery store chains. But what I mean to say is, in fighting Dominic Cruz, we've talked about it, BC. It's arguably a really compelling fight from a storyline. Who knows? Cruz might end up winning or being at the very, very minimum uh, competitive. But at the same time, it's not the right fight to make at all from a rankings and meritocratic standpoint. It doesn't make any sense. It does inside of this pandemic circumstance where they've got to sell a bunch of pay-per-views to pay back Endeavor, who is struggling. But that's really about it in terms of the, the value of it. Again, storylines and all that kind of stuff, which all feed into the same equation. However, that, that's not his fault. However, he was trying to fight Jose Aldo, which... Aldo is, okay, active but and is now ranked, but had one fight down there, and he wasn't at all deserving of this title shot. So here's my point. It's kind of similar to Flyway, which is to say the pandemic is making possible a fight that he kind of wanted anyway that we really can't bitch about given the circumstances. But if it wasn't for the circumstances, he'd be trying something similar anyway. So after this, if he gets to an Aljamain Sterling or a Sandhagen or somebody who really, Peter Yan, who really deserves it, I'll dial back some of the bantamweight criticisms. But it's like, it's like flyweight, BC. He's kind of halfway responsible for both situations. I don't think he's responsible for anything negative but 
providing us with <laughs> plenty of cringe moments. And let's hashtag never forget the time he put his diapers on all those title belts. Let's forget that never happened. Um, oh, God. He saved the flyweight division. When he says that, he actually did because he provided them an opportunity at a star, a potential crossover star that they never had with Demetrius Johnson, who hit his marketing ceiling very early, even though the greatness was unparalleled. Uh, Bantamweight's not his fault either because it's really UFC's fault at the end of the day. They really set the stage for him to become the Conor McGregor of the low weight classes by giving him an opportunity at a second title when he had not yet deserved it from the standpoint of wins. That win over Demetrius Johnson was, you know, controversial or, or disputed at best. And if anyone ever deserved a rematch in that spot after the long title reign, it was obviously DJ. He ends up getting traded. And then you give uh, Cejudo an opportunity at a diminished champion coming down in Dillashaw. Again, a fight that really didn't make sense. Now, to Cejudo's credit, every time they've teed him up with an opportunity, he's absolutely hit a home run. I didn't think he beat Marlon Moraes. And then he goes in there and really impresses us. So he's in this spot because he was Johnny on the spot at the moment and took advantage of the opportunities because UFC wants stars. And certainly the more we know about the Endeavor financial situation, the more it would make sense that they would do things like serving him to old names right now that would further double down on them being right that this guy had that Conor McGregor small weight class potential to be a crossover star, to reach into the, the Mexican-American market and all that. So it's really not his fault. He's just advantageous. I don't know how you can look at both those divisions and be like, yeah, Henry has really no... There's no fingerprint of Henry here for... Yes, some of the good. No, there's no denying some of the good. And I'll also blame UFC in the sense that if they structure your pay where it's way more in your incentive to call out Dominic Cruz than Peter Yan. Like, if they got paid the same or even more for Yan, you'd probably see a different result with what Henry Cejudo is doing. So in that sense, yes, they create an incentive structure that forces matches like this on the fans that, again, could be good, but you know, you're just leaving three really very deserving contenders by the side of the road. Still, I don't know how you can look at this situation and be like, well, he's got no fingerprint in any of this. Again, the flyweights... I mean, they messed that up themselves at the end there, but there's just destruction. And again, UFC tortured that division for a long time, but in the end, they kind of kept it, but he bounced. He doesn't want to do both. Okay, but you can't be both at the same time, which everybody knows, which then goes back to giving two titles to one guy or two title opportunities to one guy, knowing he's going to have to abandon it, knowing it's going to cause damage. Listen, I'm not here to say he's fully responsible. He's done many, many great things. If he does another great thing on Saturday, BC, who can say that he's not deserving of all the accolades that are starting to be heaped on him as a great, talented fighter, because I do think Cruz will be a challenge in one way or another, worth heaping praise on him if he gets past him. Just the same, though, I think blaming UFC, they have a role to play. I, I, I don't think that's fair in, in assessing how we got to this point. Well, it's UFC's fault, but that doesn't mean it's a horrific move right it's a smart business decision and again Cejudo's lived up to every opportunity he's received so when you give a guy who's undeserving a chance to be really enter that upper room of history by being a two-division champion you're banking on him it worked out for them but it's still their fault as to why there's been disarray and bottleneck within the division fair enough all right that being said real quickly we didn't I didn't put this in the rundown do you have a prediction for that one or you got you got you feeling a certain type of way about the co-main 
it's it's just hard not to favor the youth and the unknown and, and give it to Cejudo here. And believe me, I'm a, I'm a Dominic Cruz fan. I love his story. You know, I rewatched uh, the the second Faber fight, and it's like, man, you forget how big Dom is for this division. Maybe that's going to be something that plays a factor. Maybe this is the perfect time for Dom to slide in and pull an upset when, you know, we don't even know if Cejudo has had the proper training camp physically and mentally to get to this point given the unknowns. I don't know, but he's 35. Can you go back to the well one more time? If he does, you know, he's the Bernard Hopkins sort of mythical figure that we're going to look back on here. But uh, no, it's Henry Cejudo's going to do this, Luke. It's going to be a decision. My hunch is Henry finds a way to get it done after early troubles. He tends to figure people out as time goes on, both in the case of Demetrius, where there's years apart between the first and second fight, and then against Marlon Marais, loses a round, round and a half, and then starts to figure him out there a little bit later. He takes time to get going against someone like Cruz. I suspect that'll absolutely be the case as you begin to make reads on what he's trying to do. The other part here is about, I have no, no one's in my ear. I've not spoken to Cruz. I, no one in his team, nothing. I, well, I wonder, in your 35, ear. Jay Jay's in my up ear in at all ear. times. Yeah. But what about, what about the idea that like, if, Cruz loses does he call it a day right because if he wins there's still at least one more big payday left if he loses at 35 I guess he could go up to featherweight would he really want to do that I mean the training has been hell on his body hell on his feet he had to get Botox injections into his uh, the bottom of his feet just to numb the pain he's had plantar fasciitis ACL tears the whole nine yards he's already got a great gig as a commentator and other things he's doing for the UFC I don't know. I'm not saying he will, BC. I'm not saying he will retire. But I'm saying if he loses and loses convincingly, I would not be necessarily surprised if that's something we see in short order afterwards. There's different kinds of convincing losses, though. There's the devastating kind. If it's a stoppage and he's just not you know, competitive on that level, of course. But there's a wide open opportunity for Dom Cruz to extend his career by getting a moral victory on Saturday night by losing, but, but really putting on a fight and showing you that he still has it. I think his pride would bring him back. Luke. I mean, if you work that hard to get back, I don't think you're just going to walk away. His pride would bring him back. His smarts, you know, he's already thought about an exit, which isn't to say again, Saturday is that exit with even with a loss, but of the fighters in the UFC who have considered an exit plan, you would probably put Dominic Cruz at the top of the list. He's not sitting there just going through his career without thinking about what are the conditions upon which I'm going to continue this and not. And if I make an exit, what's it supposed to look like? Good and bad scenarios. He's thought through it all. Plus, he's probably doing this because he's ultra competitive and he would like to see if he can prove it to himself. But I bet if he couldn't even fight ever again, he'd be very comfortable with the athletic achievements he's already stacked together. Fair. All right, they got no sold it. Do the old LT no sold? All right, let's go to. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's go to. Let's yes, go to this is sorry, this is sorry. interesting. Good analysis, Luke. I tend to agree. Yes. There we go. Very good. Let's go to to the third topic of the day. This is an interesting one that I haven't seen a whole lot of discussion about, but it's got me thinking. BC, I would love for you to go first on this one. Okay, we have a feature fight on the card. It's a heavyweight fight. It's Francis Ngannou taking on Jairzinho Rosenstruck, or however you pronounce his last name. Looks to be a great fight. Can't wait to see it. It's going to be amazing. But here's the thing. It's not for an interim title. And I know a lot of folks say, oh, who would want to see an interim title when we don't need one? Well, are you sure we don't need one? Because here's what Steve Miocic is saying. I know you spoke to him. He's saying he's not fighting until the pandemic is over. But when is that going to be? I mean, what does it mean to be over? It's going to be here until there's a vaccine and, or you know a treatment. And those don't appear to be on the horizon. He's got this responsibility as a you know a first responder. So that's a little bit weird. I know he also didn't have much interest when he talked to you 
about a DC trilogy versus the winner of this upcoming fight. And DC is saying he's not fighting anybody, not named Steve Miocic, but his clock is ticking too. So you get to a real scenario here where you're like, well, wait a second. Those two may not fight for a while. Why not just make this an interim title fight? Because the winner should get a title shot anyway. And it gives the winner a chance to get more money when they get to the ultimate title shot after that fight. BC, good idea, bad idea. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Bad idea. Enough of this interim title crap. This fight and the main event on Saturday should not be for an interim title when you have a healthy champion. It is to give some sort of reward for Tony Ferguson fighting on and quote-unquote saving the card, even though it's not really happening. But uh, I guess the interim situation is, I mean, obviously UFC has completely devalued the idea of what an interim title is supposed to be when there's a, a gap in the champion's reign due to injury or what have you, but not enough of a gap to strip him. Um I've argued that I don't like the title because what an interim title has become is a number one contender opportunity, a guarantee. Now, they'll strip that guarantee whenever they want, as Tony Ferguson found out. So I'd almost rather it be like a green jacket or some other symbol that you're not down in history. Carlos Condit, great guy, never my welterweight champion. I know he held an interim belt, right? Shane Carwin, heavyweight, same thing. I would rather they just sort of say, number one contender about this guy's got next. I don't need an interim title. I don't need not Francis or Jair to hold up that belt because it would be meaningless. But what you're saying is sort of guaranteeing them the next shot, you know, regardless of DC. Yeah, that's what this fight will probably do anyway. This is a number one contender's fight. And you talk about me no-selling your analysis. Stipe's no-selling everything in, like, the nicest way possible because, first of all, shout-out to all the uh, frontline workers in healthcare and beyond and Stipe's one of those as a paramedic and firefighter, and he's raising money through Modelo for first responders and all that. Great guy, but he's basically like, I don't even care about this fight on Saturday night because neither one of these are a threat to my title. And like you mentioned, he also told me, you know, I got no emotional connection to DC. If the fight happens, it happens, whatever. I'm still going to be champion at the end of the day. If UFC calls me, I'll say yes, whoever they got. So he's basically like, you know, I will fight again this year, but I'm not rushing it. He agrees with Amanda Nunes' stance on sort of, you know, making sure the training camp is proper before running back out there. This is a great fight, though, Saturday. They're going to bang. It's almost like this is Ngano 2.0 against the Ngano who fought against Stipe, who is Jair Rosenstruck, who is so raw, bailed himself out with a win last time against Overeem just from being a savage. You love the idea of them two just coming together. We're going to see exactly where Ngano is, and we're going to find out whether Jair can make an even bigger leap than he did last time. Um, but let's not put anything more on it. Have either of these guys deserved to hold up an interim title under any universe, Luke? No. So stop that crap right now. I don't understand the fans. I used to understand the fans' revulsion to interim titles. I'm a little bit, and, and media too, I shouldn't even say that. I'm a lot less sympathetic to I am, uh, I am to it now. Now, here's what I'll say. 
the main event should absolutely have an interim title. The reason why is because do I think that the winner will ultimately get a title shot following the victory that comes on Saturday? Maybe, but Dana White is now saying, well, Tony Khabib is the one that got away, and I would really love to see that Conor rematch. And to me, that's just Endeavor talking, right? Endeavor is losing a third of their workforce, and they're going to be reducing salaries for uh, huge amounts of other ones, and they're closing offices. They're in deep, deep S. And so... To me, that rings of, we got to make fights that sell a ton of pay-per-views because we have to generate a lot of revenue. Yes, people would want to see it. We would talk about it. That's fine. But that would not be the most deserving fight next for Nurmagomedov. It should be the winner of this one. Now, I guess we'll see what happens. Maybe they end up making that fight anyway. My only point being is the winner gets more money when they head into that fight. To me, that's not an inconsequential thing. I wish that didn't have to be a function of having an interim title. I wish they just got more money. But that's not the world that we live in. The world we live in is that they need some other kind of token to get the kind of money that they would ultimately well, they be deserving. The token, of. Luke, because when you okay, hold up the interim that, belt you can, token... You can, BC, you can say change the token. They're not going to. It's not going to happen. The only way to get that to happen between now and whenever that fight is is to put a belt around their waist. And to me, if that's what it does, if it gets Justin Gaethje more money, if it gets Tony Ferguson more money, I'm not against it at all. No. And if it guarantees no. them a title shot, well, okay, that's even better. As for this one, here's what I'll say. The case for an interim title on this fight is not nearly as strong because there's still a lot of room to play with, right? DC still wants to fight Stipe. Stipe still ostensibly will probably do it. We don't know when, but it's only May. We're in the fifth month of the year. By the way, only the fourth day of the fifth month. There's still a lot of time to figure that part out. But I'll say this, I'll say this Brian Campbell. If we're heading into September and we don't have anything booked, Whatever the fight is after that, if the winner of Nganu versus Rosenstruck has to take another one, that one should be for an interim title fight. Why? Because it gets them more money in the end, and I think it puts pressure yeah. on other players to make it happen. This idea that it devalues the title, it the does. sanctioning bodies don't own it. UFC Luke. does. UFC has said, you know, last thing, last thing. UFC has said in court, it doesn't even confer any status. It's just something they give to a fighter the other night when they feel like it. If that's the case, then who cares? We're wringing our hands over nothing. Pay that man his money. No, money B's not buying it. Quit denying it. You're better off trying it. Freak me, girl. And I'll freak. Okay. Uh, Luke, here's the deal on that. When you get an engagement ring, it's separate from getting married. I know there's some weirdos out there who throw a giant engagement party and they get gifts from people and they're basically stealing from their friends and loved ones. An engagement ring is a step toward the ultimate goal, right? Uh, same thing with this interim belt. It doesn't look like the wedding band. It's different. The interim belt, it, they're devalued the idea of their own titles by allowing people to hold up interim belts who don't deserve it. Change the token or get rid of it. They can still get paid behind the scenes, Luke, or still get a guarantee on a contract behind the scenes that don't affect the idea of people standing in front of a camera holding up a belt that isn't real why do i care about that because i come from boxing where they have devalued the shit out of belts that every single time there's a fight on even if it's the 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 curtain jerker there's the nabf regional south america's title on the line okay stop that ufc stop that crap all right luke yeah, they're I mean, better you, than you that and personally you should be better than that considering how hard you stand against other things in life for you to haphazardly be like, he gets a belt. We all get belts. You know what, Luke? Back off. Yeah. You mean you mean boxing 
where they also get for the A-list fighters significantly more money than their MMA counterparts. Gee, how am I going to sleep through the night? First of all, there aren't multiple sanctioning bodies. There's no sanctioning bodies providing any titles. It's just UFC, and they we, the UFC has literally said in court they don't mean anything. We're just conferring upon it some kind of status. And again, I would say Israel Adesanya is the best middleweight. He is the guy to beat. You can go down the weight classes: Kamar Usman, Khabib Nurmagomedov. That's fine if it's an informal marker of who the best guy is. No problem. But dude, we are operating in a sport where the fighters are chronically underpaid which i know you would agree with and i think simply just saying out loud fix that behind the scenes there's no mechanism to do that it does not exist they don't okay, have any leverage the manager sure as hell isn't going to do it then then huh? why have belts at all a belt is a is a designation it's a it's a place in time it says that person was the best of the best at that moment you're completely it, devaluing not, not that idea which is the reason not, why it's not just prize not, fighting like if it, if the if it was just prize fighting, there wouldn't be belts. But there is. There's there's legacies. There's all that. You're just devaluing it by by throwing in a crap title to give a guy a next place in line. I'm sorry. Let's say if, Rosenstruck knocks out Ngannou, right? Power yeah, to him. Yeah. He's not deserving of a of to hold up a belt. Get out of here, Luke. Yeah, he is deserving of more money, and there's no other mechanism to get him any. So what you yeah, would rather is, do sign is the check. you would rather sign the check. Have, that's you, the you, we, we, there's no that doesn't that's a, you, yes. Give him a unicorn to ride into the octagon next time. These things don't exist. What you would rather say is I would rather Rosenstruck make orders of magnitude less money so I can hold on to an idea that the UFC has self UFC itself has already said in court under deposition does not exist. So that's so, you holding on to something. To stay, that's not me. Something's well. Look, let me ask you this: when you got engaged. Did you rent out a, a church in a hall and have a, a, a giant you know, celebration and put on a tuxedo? No, it was a step no. in the process. So stop spoil. Like, There's got to be some things that still matter in this game, right? Right. Well, then there should be some kind of plan. A le- if, look, listen, if there was a legitimate way to get fighters, the mon- A-list fighters we're talking about here, right? Would you have to agree Nganu is, if not A-list, A-minus, right? Because he's certainly right up there, you know? Uh, to get fighters like that the money they deserve, fine. But if it's not going to happen, to me, it's it's kind of shitty to say, well, they shouldn't get extra money. Yeah, they should. It's a, it's a, it's an awful way to get there, but I'm not going to let imperfect be the enemy here. I'm going to say, you know what? It's fine by me because these guys put their lives on the line. They're out here flying on airplanes, filled to the brim probably with remnants of the COVID-19 virus. And we're going to say, you shouldn't get more money next time. Fuck. Yeah. You should get more money next time. That's not the debate. That's not, you just sign a check. That's how you get more money. Okay. All right. Now you're pissing off Jay. Now you're really making things happen. Am I? I, Jay's not in my ear. I didn't hear him. All right. Well, that in mind, we can do that debate for another time. Point four BC. Um, All right. Let's get to this. Go, go to you on this one first. Stephen a claim and credit. Figuring it out, he was the one who called it right about um, Donald Cerrone at UFC 246 and Conor McGregor. All right, let's start there. First of all, your reactions to Stephen A. saying he was right all along was EBC. I mean, it's a it's a you know it's a victory lap for SAS, but it's not really the underlying spirit of what people were upset at after Conor destroyed Cowboy. The essence of what Stephen A. was saying was that Cowboy quit. That he and when you say that, and when you say that from the standpoint of him as general sports loudmouth, although look, I certainly respect Stephen A. Smith in 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 the in the streets and avenues in which he is at his strength. But he was an outsider looking in, matter of factly being given a platform that wasn't 
uh, and Sports Center on a desk. It was standing next to the octagon with the microphone, which is an extra double down stamp. And he's basically like, "Cowboy quit." So when that's your essence, it teases too close to the idea that that fight was improper. That that there was some form of you know negative you know something negative on the underculture that maybe cowboy didn't try his best it's different than saying i just watched that fight and that wasn't the best of cowboy i think he was in his own head that's what Stephen a is now basically trying to claim was his intention when all mma fans that were uprising watched that and said wait you don't know enough about this sport to make a claim that cowboy didn't show up and he quit so it's a little bit revisionist history yeah, I mean, here's the thing about this, and I've said it, I put out a whole video about it. You can, people judge for themselves. It's a symmetry of language saying didn't show up without any symmetry and meaning. It's like, dude, did y'all actually listen to what he said? People are like, oh, Stephen A. didn't say quit. Right, here's what he said exactly. He said it looks like he gave up, which is the exact same thing as saying quitting. That's what he actually said on TV. He literally said that. That's a fact. So if you listen to what Cowboy says, Cowboy said he was in a fog and he couldn't quite get right and it wasn't all there. But if you listen to him go through the play-by-play -play of him being hit with that elbow BC and the shoulder strikes, he's actively telling you he's trying to fight back. He couldn't summon the will in the end, or at least the ability rather, but he was fighting that off and he was struggling with it, but he did not go in there and just lay down for Connor. He didn't put up much of a fight. You could say it was a bad uh, performance, no doubt about that. But to me, it's like when you use these sports talk radio, and I'm in sports talk radio, Phrases like didn't show up and wasn't a winner, capital W. You're not saying a whole lot unless you actually really drill down into the specifics. And when you drill down to the specifics here, it's uh, it's the surface level of being correct with none of the substance. That's yeah, what Stephen A. gets the same you. Thing, it's the same equivalent as Mayweather Pacquiao, which we just had the five-year anniversary. And non-boxing fans who paid the hundred dollars and were like all right i want to see this great brawl and they got a technical fight instead you know there was that knee jerk of like oh that fight was fixed man those two guys didn't try that's the same thing basically what it sounded like out of Stephen a's mouth so no don't don't no victory laps now Stephen a all right please stop now that brings us to a separate question about the fight itself now this one is not on the main card bc i believe this is the main event of the espn prelim portion so they, i think this fight will air roughly around 9 30 p.m east coast time which is who needs a win more right it, and this is one where you could go really in either direction I, I think you spoke to both of these guys last week right so having had that conversation at least in some part with either of them bc got cerrone you got pettis who needs that w a little bit more than the other one I did talk to Pettis, who basically was like, you know, I took this fight on a couple weeks' notice because he felt so bad about the egg he laid on the undercard of Cowboy Connor and taking his second straight loss. It's very interesting. Now, obviously, Cowboy's a little bit older. Uh, Luke, how many losses is Cowboy up to in a row right now? Is it four? Uh, I have to double check, but yeah. You know, uh, certainly uh, Pettis is coming off a three. two straight defeat. Three. He's got three in a row. It's almost even in a way, but obviously Pettis has a larger potential upside. He's 33. In some ways, he is what he is. He's a celebrity action fighter who can win any fight at any time because that ability is in him, but he was has been forever unable to recapture the, the spirit and the focus of what he once had. Now, he's saying the right things. This is Pettis saying, look, this is the first camp I've had one-on-one -on -one instruction because of the quarantine where it's been all about me. This is how I'm going to do all my camps moving forward. He also told me this is the first time I'm actually listening to my coach's strategic breakdown. Now I understand why they do that, which is like, now? 
You're, you're realizing this? Look, he's a great athlete. He's a responsive, explosive type fighter. Yeah, he probably needs the win a little bit more. Cowboy had his last cup of tea at the elite level. He absolutely laid an egg against Connor. He's now admitting it and showing you. He basically says, moving forward, I just want to have fun. I want to be in fun fights. I do think that no one is really giving this fight the love that it deserves. This is an all-star game fight. These are two aging names, championship-level guys who do nothing but put on great fights. They both really need a win. I'm still going to argue Pettis needs the win a little bit more to sort of stay relevant. But this has an opportunity, short camp or not, to be... You know, not only to sell a lot of pay-per-views if this is the last fight for ESPN heading in, but just to straight up entertain us. And Luke, I don't think we're doing enough in all this COVID debate to just sit down on the idea that fights are back. You know, I'm excited about that. I'm fired up. It's going to be normalcy again, right or wrong, Grim Reaper on the beach or not. And this fight is really like should be on the poster of that because it's just going to be about fun and games and violence. I like Pettis to win this. I think Cowboy, he's going to linger as long as they'll let him, right? I think he'll be better than the than the Connor fight for sure. But but Pettis is the younger one. He needs to win a little bit more. But I love this fight. I love what it stands for. It's a great fight in a lot of different ways. And going back to Stephen A. very quickly, one of the points here, and it's relevant even today, which is you know in that 300, not even 65-day period, 364-day period, Cerrone had fought Hernandez. He had fought Iaquinta then Ferguson, then Gaethje, and then Connor. I mean, it's just impossible to beat those guys, especially on the frequency that he was trying, especially after two TKO losses in a row. He hasn't taken a ton of time off for this one, although some. But I'll say this, BC. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to say it's Pettis, but I'm going to say it for slightly different reasons. Neither guy can capture their upper bound you know, limit, what we know them to be at their best. I think those days are probably past. Certainly for Cerrone, he can still beat very good guys. Certainly for Pettis, same kind of thing. But they can't get back to where they were when they were 28, 29. I don't think that's in the cards. So the question is trying to find out exactly what they have left. Pettis, to me, is up against it a little bit more. And the reason why is, one... Carlos Diego Fajeda, the guy who beat him last time, is a dark horse in that division. He's trained at Fortis MMA by Saif Saud. He's a very, very good fighter that's really underrated, but he's not the name value from a Connor or a Iaquinta or a Ferguson is not there. And so the loss is a little bit less forgiving, even if I can recognize he's a very, very talented fighter. But the bigger issue to me, BC, is this is a rematch. This is a rematch. If you're Pettis and you won frankly, relatively easy the first time. I'm not going to say easy, but, you know, relatively speaking. If you go in and lose the second time, that would mark decline without any shadow of a doubt. And I know there's already been some. Dude's been in a lot of wars. People don't give Anthony Pettis enough credit for fighting the very best of his generation over and over and over and over again, but that takes a toll on you. So to me, if you kind of beat a guy, again, relatively speaking, easily, and then years pass, and you try and do it again, and you can't get the job done, especially coming off of a loss to a guy that a lot of people don't know, it just signifies a certain decline where, you know, we've seen guys like Cerrone lose three in a row before this one and then kind of rebound to get to the point where they are, you know, back taking big fights against bigger fighters like that. Pettis, this would be, to me, a little bit different if you couldn't quite get back on the horse. That's fair. That's fair. I'm selling. I'm selling all the way. All right? Sell it, BC. Sell it. All right, with that in mind, we go to our fifth and final point here. To what extent is UFC 249 BC the canary in the coal mine? Which is to say the following. 
It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. Let's say it goes off without a hitch. Everybody comes in, everyone gets tested, everyone tests negative. It does, you know, reasonably well on pay-per-view. The press doesn't complain, the fighters don't complain, the fans love what they got. Certainly we've talked about what a great card it is. To what extent BC on the boxing and MMA side will that show you and and get the gears in motion for the rest of the combat sports world to come back? Uh, 100%, this is going to open the floodgates if they have success. And I don't mean necessarily Monday morning. The fact that they have three cards in eight days in a short period might ultimately be the testing ground. But I feel like everyone in combat sports and beyond is going to be watching on Saturday very closely, very patiently. You know, I talked to Oscar De La Hoya a couple of days ago from Golden Boy Promotions, and even he is praising Dana White and saying, yeah, you know, we've had our uh, differences in the past, but uh, I respect him standing up for his own sport. Look, everybody wants to come back, whether you're a, whether you're a Luke Thomas-level critic of Dana or a Bob Arum or anything, but they want to not be the first and make the giant mistake. I think UFC, which now we find out through Mark Ramundi's reporting at ESPN today, they are doing COVID testing. Things are on the up and up. They're paying a ton to get this done the right way. Uh, if they pull this off, you're going to see more states like 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 dominoes just fall one after another and open up the doors to pro sports again. You're already hearing the rumblings and the whispering. Did the Miami Dolphins, Luke, just put out a, a plan on how they're going to fill their stadiums, not to capacity, but sort of in, in fractions to be able to, you know, have fans for the kickoff of the NFL season this fall. It all goes back, of course, to our big bet between us that, you know, February 1st, 2021, I mean, we're going to be back packing arenas all over the place. But yes, if this is a success this week, everyone will follow. And in the, in the end, and this is why, Luke, over a month ago, when we were in the middle of the Dana White's crazy debate, and by the way, he deserved criticism for saying, COVID, come get me, um, there was a Robin Hood element. If he pulled this off, we're going to look back and say thank you for being that crazy. Basically, thank you for being that bold. So this is his opportunity to do that, Luke. I mean, I think it's a mixed bag. I think it's a mixed bag, right? Which is to say the following. If, in fact, they do pull it off without a hitch, and by the way, folks have noted that, like, oh, there's actually more hospital space now. Now, that's intentional. Hospitals are purposely not taking up, for example, elective surgeries or things they had scheduled to make room for the COVID surge. But Florida, it turns out, even though the the governor did not really go heavy into stay-at-home orders and quarantining, local ordinances did, businesses did, and people by themselves did. There was a great Wall Street Journal report showing that basically people took it upon themselves. And that's why Florida, outside of a few counties, has not had this surge that people had worried about. So now the hospital capacity is taken care of. We talked about the fact that now we got the state regulating before for it when we didn't. If they pull it off and they've got the COVID testing, although we don't know, are they COVID testing everyone beforehand? And by the way, if you fly home, do you get a COVID test to take when you get home? There's still a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of lack of transparency around this BC about the terms of the plan that I think would help a lot of other folks in the combat sports space. But I do think you're right, at least in terms of combat sports, audience free, so your Bellators, maybe your top ranks, things like that. 
they're going to take a look at this and say, mm, is this a plan that we can follow? I suspect that it will be. It will definitely spur them to action. Um, I also think that you, I was reading Nate Silver yesterday from 538. He was pointing out they did a survey, uh, I think Gallup did a survey early in March, and it had said, when do you expect all of this to be, restrictions to begin getting eased? And the answer is right about now for the majority of Americans. They kind of expect it. Now, a lot of that is unrealistic. Here's what I think, BC. Some states are going to open, and it's going to be careful and slow, and there's not going to be an issue. Other states are going to do it, and there's going to be major backlash, not merely with the public support, but also with um, the disease and how it's going to affect other people. There's going to be ebbs and flows in this BC. That's what I think folks need to accept. It's not going to be uniform across the country. For every New York, there's going to be some place like Alaska that has virtually no issue. My only point being is for the tightly controlled scenarios, Miami Dolphins are completely out of their mind. That's not happening anytime soon. But your Bellator, your Bob Arums, your who knows your Salida promotions I don't know whatever the ones who can do it in a studio the ones who don't need a crowd the ones who can sort of control every piece of the chain of custody mm, they're going to get cooking after this the rest of Look, pro how sports are they out of their minds hey, when it's a stadium it's outdoors if everyone BC, wears a BC, mask and BC, they, they BC, scatter BC. the seating BC, they have to get in line to get into the stadium. They have to get in line to go to the bathroom. They have to get in line for any concessions. If anyone breaks protocol there and it spreads and they get held liable for it, they're going to get sued until they're penniless. That's how. It's a, well, it's well, a dramatic well, then, then why are grocery idea. stores open? Won't they get sued too, Luke? Okay, so let's let's have this discussion. Why are grocery stores open? Because there are things that, that, that society needs in order to... I can't believe we have to have this debate, but let's have it. There are things that society needs to have in order to function. If you close banks and people can't get their money out, it's going to be Lord of the Flies. If they can't get gas for their vehicle, particularly for people who have essential jobs, it's going to be Lord of the Flies. For pharmacies, if they can't get their medicine or for foods, the reason that grocery stores are open is not because the government goes, wow, let's find a place where people are really good at social distancing. By definition, if you are in cramped aisles, you are not. The reason that it is open, although you can put some protocols in there, is because it's essential for society to function. This is what Graham Boylan said from Cage Wars. He's like, well, the tube is running in London. Why can't we have a show? Uh, Graham, it's because the tube is essential for London to function. Cage fights are not. That's the difference. It's just so society can keep the gears moving a little bit without coming to a complete and total halt. Not because it's a beacon of how to do social distancing really well. That's why. Yeah, but there may not be a cage warriors a year from now or any other equivalent if they're not allowed to to get back to this. So, uh, look, I, yeah, we're going to have ebbs and flows. I believe in that. I just believe that uh, you're going to see full arenas in February, Luke. You're going to see as soon as this card works out, if it does, commissions like Texas and Nevada, which have been known in the past for having up and down moments, suddenly go, okay, yeah, we're back in this. We want we want money too. We want to do this, and not going to be overnight, but. Uh, People, look, Luke, you're a little bit misunderstood because you do care about people. You're not anti-fun. This isn't the NFL no fun league, okay? You want to see people not die, but but have a little hope, right? Try a little tenderness. What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding, Luke? It's not you. You are allowed to have hope when you have reason for hope. Like you have to have a plan. Dana White deserves credit for this one. This is why this one is, this is not April 18th. I, I, we're in agreement here. This is not April 18th all over again, what was rushed and ill-considered and outside of the, 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 the boundaries of the state. This is very, very different to me for any number of reasons, and I think that needs to be said out loud. I do not feel nearly as uneasy about this one. I think there's still some risks, but 
they seem fairly well taken care of for the most part, I think, right? So it's going to happen. I'm not nearly as concerned. I think the show should be allowed to happen. The government's going to sanction it. But when people talk about like hope and blah, 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 it's like, dude, you, you have to understand the challenges of what you are up against, and then you have to build a plan in accordance with that. When Dana White says we're not going to have a gate for a long time, that's what he should be saying. He's right. He's not planning to stop BC, but he is planning to recognize this idea. You, you, you might see 20,000 people in a stadium. You know where you're going to see it? Taipei. You know where you're going to see it? Seoul. You ain't going to see it in the Los Estados Unidos, not unless somebody Taichi wants to make Palace. a dramatic mistake. Huh? Uh, tai Chi Palace. Maybe that's where you'll see it. I just hope, Luke, <laughs> come February 1st, when we are filling combat arenas of 20,000 again, that you'll sit next to me for whatever big fight will be at. Please. I will sit in I will sit in your lap if you if it makes Thank you happy. You. How about that? You're gonna Mask have to wear the, the John Morgan blue shirt. Maybe maybe channel his haircut. I, I'm gonna lo- I'm gonna have a lot of options at how I get my get back here. All right. Well, with that in mind, it's time now where we take your questions for the show. It's time for DMs with donks or from donks. I never know what it's called anymore or ever really from donks. There we go. I get the preposition wrong. Okay. Here we go. BC. This is from Nat. Raj1803, if Cruz wins the title next weekend, does his legacy become bigger than DJ's as the greatest lighter weight fighter uh, of all time, lighter weight class fighter? Uh, To some it will. It shouldn't, but the emotional element of coming back after so much and overcoming is like, you know, this is like apple pie to American sports fans. We live for this. We eat this up, and he's a great guy too, and he's worked so hard and all the bad luck. Yes, at the end of the day, Maybe even to most people, this will be more celebrated, more loved. It just seems like Demetrius Johnson inevitably will be that fine wine that like 15 years from now, the hard hardcores will be like, what are you guys crazy? That guy was really the best ever. And, you know, rightfully so when people do that. But yes, this has an emotional element to it that DJ's run lacked completely, whether it was his fault or not. Yeah, I mean, 31 or so. Here's the problem with that Garbrandt loss. Like, he was the champion. He was 31 years of age, and he just lost cleanly. You know what I mean? He just lost. He cleanly. was hurt, Luke. He was hurt. Let's be honest. He was, but he's been hurt. He's been hurt in large part for long portions of his career. I understand that. At times he's persevered. At times he hasn't. And, and I get, I get what you're, he was not 100. percent I get it. But he's also won when he wasn't 100 percent before as well. And so to me, it's like if you lose that one, I, you know, he hasn't come back in a long time, which is not his fault either. It, there's a lot of complicating factors. I don't know. I don't know how you don't reward DJ for this the consistency over time. So I would say if, and I mean this, BC, BC, if Cruz comes back and wins, I fully mean this. That is one of the greatest comeback stories in sports. It already was on the short list for that for uh, before all this. You do that again, and you come back and you beat Henry Cejudo. Wow, man! That you're talking about an all-time level of mental persistence and grit that is impossible to describe in the English language. Yeah, I'm not kidding. You want to feel good in the morning? Put on a Dominic Cruz interview. Like, I'm serious. Like, one of those long-form ones where he talks about the struggle. The guy is so insanely positive. In fact, he should probably be the one who leads us back into filling arenas, Luke. The positivity and the... I mean, this guy's the best. All right, takes us to our next question from Kyle Carlson, BC. What are the eyes on Justin Gacy's torso looking at? (laughs) <laughs> uh definitely the tips luke just the tip though just for a second uh yeah uh, I mean, serious wow. question aren't those aren't those the eyes from the old bad boys uh logo not, not not the movie like the the gear 
Like the fight gear. Uh, yeah, that, that, that makes Bad a boy. lot of sense. I really haven't looked at his torso that intensely to be able to, to know that. But, um, yeah. I mean, the, what didn't they say the abs are the eyes to the soul? No. The window to the soul? I don't know. I, I, I got my metaphors all kind of wrong here. All right. Weird question. Let's go to uh, at Mr. Roxy Depew. Most useful fighter endorsed signature product during quarantine. Foreman girl. Foreman spelled wrong. Popper 12 or Rootin 02 trainer. <laughs> I do want to shout out Roxy Depew, who is a man, by the way, and he was forced to change his name to Mr. Because twice during prior DM for Donk appearances, I was like, oh, we got female viewers. This is great, Luke. European ones at that. But, you know, he's a man, baby. He's to come after him. He's 40. Um, I, I haven't used either of these three. You, Luke? Got to be proper 12, right? Got to be proper 12. There's I don't a lot think of people, people use got... the Foreman Grill. Like we've outlived the I, use for the Foreman Grill, right? I used it in college. Did you use it when you were in your like late teens, early twenties? My early twenties, my first apartment. It was the I, I cooked hot dogs on it. That was the extent of it. Yeah. Of course, of course, you cooked hot dogs on it, or the <laughs> microwave, or I bet, I bet, I bet your dumbass just ate them right out of the package too, didn't you? Well, normally I eat them right out of the gas station, but you know, sometimes you gotta. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, it's got to be the proper twelve. Proper twelve is not great. But, you know, if you're having a down day, you'll be all right. All right. From Visman85, best food you've cooked during quarantine. What do you say? Uh, that would be none. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. How, how are you eating? How, how, how are you eating? Like what, like, what are you guys eating most weeks? Uh, my wife cooks. And um, after the initial too much takeout, eat whatever we can find, sort of like honeymoon phase, she's gone back to a – she's actually gone meatless for us all the last week and uh, feel a lot better. I'm, I'm, I might even get in shape, Luke, you know? I, I, I got, yeah, through some, got through some ups and downs emotionally during this journey. I think, I think I'm ready. So, yeah, um, I've eaten very well. My wife's a great cook. You know, I've mixed in some Thai, a lot of Thai takeout trying to support the local businesses, but uh, that's about it. I'll say that um, I don't think I've cooked hardly anything. I've been a lot of takeout. My mother-in-law is staying with us, and she's been cooking tremendously. Abuelita? Um, yeah, Abuelita's here. Uh, but I've not cooked. I mean, and I, I would say normally when I celebrate, I can make a mean filet mignon, you know, on the, on the cast iron skillet. But uh, animal protein's been hard to come by, and I wouldn't want to yes. buy it much now anyway because... It's full of COVID and, and disease and death. Um, well, is that a conspiracy nothing. take from you? Is that a, a Luke Jones no, theory? No, dude, dude, look at look at how the spread of COVID nineteen in this country is directly correlated with our meat packing plant, our meat plants. It is a disaster. It is a complete disaster. So I don't think you can get it from eating it after you've cooked it. I think it's probably fine, but uh, yeah, it's really really bad, really bad. Um, no, your your boy's been surfing on everyone else's. Uh, Hard labor, BC. Sorry, yeah. I got nothing. I, I cooked cook. veggie burgers actually on the grill yesterday because the weather was so fantastic. But you know those, How were those, they? those are. No, wait a second. Fan- the veggie burgers are like the Beyond Impossible food burgers. No, it was ve- it was straight veggie burger, but it's so you okay. know it comes frozen. You throw it on the grill for like you know two and a half minutes, flip it once, it's ready to go. So that you know that's not real grilling. I understand that, but um, yeah, that's the extent of my cooking. Thank you, uh, Dennis Horvat, nineteen eighty five BC. This is very simple. Can you recommend some Showtime shows? I really like Billions. Well, Billions is the obvious one. Anything else on your radar for folks who might be, let's say, new to Showtime? 
Well, I've always, I've long been a respecter of, of Showtime docs. Now, obviously, uh, Showtime's got some great sports documentaries, uh, you know, especially heavy in basketball that have been fantastic. But, I mean, you know, we've talked in the past about that Eagles documentary. You go into the Showtime app or, or, or if you've got on demand, um, the music docs and the, you know, regular general culture documentaries, uh, there's a lot to, there's a lot of time you can spend in there and they, they have been fantastic. I don't, um, you know, I'm company man, of course, but I don't have regular series uh, that I watch at the moment. But can you contribute to this conversation, Luke? Billions I've watched, but I have the... So there's two different apps you can get. You can get the Showtime app. And I have Showtime through YouTube TV. I pay extra on top to get it that way. First of all, they show a bunch of movies. You can go back through like Dexter and whatnot. But uh, here's my recommendation. I talked about it, I think, last week on the show, if memory serves, is the Wu-Tang documentary. So if you have oh, a yeah. Showtime... It's called the Showtime Anytime app, I think is what it's called. And through that, you can go through and you can find all... They have a Ron Artest one, Meta World Peace, the whole nine yards. Which, by the way, some of the folks involved in this show made those. Uh, go check out the Wu-Tang documentary. It's, it's, only, it's not a series in the sense of what they're talking about. But it was my... When I first got the app and I first got the service, that was my destination viewing right there. And of course... And don't forget about the, you know, the old bipolar rock sports. and roller. Fantastic, fantastic piece of art there. For old Mara Ronaldo. All right, BC. Now is the time when we look at dongs. Take it hey, away. Why good don't friend. we do that? Why don't we scour the globe for the good, the bad, the ugly, the best, the worst of the combat sports week and beyond? Yes, it is. Have you seen this, Ish, Luke? Uh, we're going to start off with actual fights. Hey, we always say, Luke, spinny shit gone wrong. You're going to end up on this show. One championship recently producing us some spinny s gone wrong. Um, can we stop doing this unless you are well equipped? Can we stop trying to spin? Because you're going to get sent to hell. And look, this guy got hit oh. so hard, he kind of took a dive. He got taken. He, he like he like jumps into the canvas. Is that like on the up and up right there? Is that is that a legitimate knockout? It's well, That seems fairly legit. Good Lord. All right. Talk to me brutal. about this next knockout. It came in a grocery store. I'll set the stage. This vagrant came in and started arguing. He spit on a pile of oranges, and here comes the grocer. Oh, oh <laughs> TKO, Luke, it's over. You it's know over. what, dude? Is this a recent video? Like, does this happen like in the last month or so? I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to tell, Luke. If this asshole is out there spitting on oranges in the middle of this, dude. Yes. You have all my permission in the world to fuck this guy up. What a I mean, jackass. This guy is, yeah, this guy coming in, leaving, no, like, this isn't like a, hey, stop that. This is like, you know, I'm taking your soul. <laughs> That's how you protect your house, Luke. Hey, when your dogs were barking earlier, I was wondering if you were having a, a home invasion, Anthony Smith style. I would have I commentated on it or at least yelled at the guy. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good you're making light of that. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's real nice. It's real nice. Yeah. Hey, all right, let's roll on with the ish here, Luke. Uh, this is on a Brazil street corner. This is what uh -oh. you do to someone you don't like, Luke. It's called the Brazilian <laughs> Dick in a Box. That is fantastic. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. That the is guy awesome. in the yellow shirt is your COVID takes, and those are all the MMA fans around it. All right? Uh, yeah, no, except my COVID takes are correct. Uh, oh, that is awesome. Yeah, that, that is, cool. is awesome. I've right, never seen people, that before. That's a great little gimmick. People can't figure out this next one. It's a street fight. Is this the greatest knockout of all time or a well-done fake? Wow. I mean, I that's know. unbelievable. I'll say this. If it's a fake, you're right. That is a really, 
great job they've done at setting that one up. Because yeah, the dude just like he, he swings uncontested. He may have whiplash from if that is a fake, but I don't think the back of his head hit. See, they cut it at right, just the right time. I think it's a fake, and we don't do fakes. This is, just like this that is, time, this they told is, me. This is me hitting you with my truth bombs every uh, Monday. Yeah, right. <laughs> just like that time they told me we can't actually show deaths on the show. They're like, you know, phallic, go for it. Dongs, whatever yeah, you got. BC, but they're like, no deaths. BC, BC starts to show me, like, hey, can we show a guy get eaten by a snake? I'm like, I don't think it's a good idea, BC. <laughs> All right, Luke, check out the balls on this runway, uh, fashion runway model. I could see you getting caught dead in these pants, Luke. Dude, I don't understand high-end fashion at all. No. Please hammer, don't, don't hurt them. I mean, I'd wear those if I if I had, like, diarrhea really bad and I was out in public. I wouldn't wear white, though. But, I mean, like, that that's about what, how, what's the functionality of that? Uh, shoplifting? That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, shoplifting, right? Yeah. Shoplifting is fun. Our donk European fans, not talking about web screen, but our other ones, they're probably wearing this. They're on the up and up there. And, and uh, hey, Italy just opened up, speaking of COVID. So shout out to all the Italians. All right, Luke? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right, rolling on here. Um, uh, you know, people's uh, ability to, to stay clean in public situations during this COVID is just out of control here. Check out this guy in the subway here, Luke. I am not down for that whatsoever, especially with children in the area, Luke. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's just not sanitary. <laughs> I'll say it. This, there's so much right with this. Number one, look at this old bastard, right? Number two, <laughs> the account is called Hoagie Farts. <laughs> and number three, BC, tell the folks the truth. You and I ride the train after the show under normal conditions. A lot. Have I ever, ever touched the pole? Ever. One time. Uh, no. No. I always grab that thing, but only with one hand. I got a pole hand and then a regular hand if I have to, like, itch myself. I do, I do, I do, the, I do it in the old crook of the wrist, or I do it in the crook of the elbow. I never, ever touch the pole. This guy's just, got... like, grabbing it by the crack. I mean, that is, that's impressive, though, Luke. That, what do you think that feels like? You know what? I bet he's got an itchy... Uh, itchy you know he's trying to yeah yeah like a know, bear trying to scratch it you know all right luke um you know i'm able to go outside during covid because i've got a yard it's fenced in some people are stuck in apartments so they've got to come up with ways to entertain themselves check out this mini golf <laughs> trick shot can you rate this from one to ten? Oh god please is that a girl yes i think oh yes luke that's incredible wait what did she do that passed through the system quick. Did she just like queef her way through this? Oh, we don't use that word on the show, Luke. Please, please. It's a, it's a family affair. Oh, is this, but, a, uh, is this a children's program? Yeah, is that what this is, is now? More like hole and fun. Yeah, that is fantastic, Luke. Wow, she, uh, that's a very talented young lady. Yeah, other people are passing time, Luke, by making music, uh, practicing their zen. What do you think of this lady's uh, rhythmic patterns? <laughs> oh, God. You notice the one on the oh, left God. hand is bigger? That's kind of that's accurate, right, culturally? Oh, my God. All right. Uh, Dude, Luke, where do I told you find this? 
I got to get off this clip before you quit the show. Uh, the beaches are opened up, Luke, but some people's etiquette is out of control. Check out these two old bastards fighting over this picnic table. Oh, yeah, and watch this guy oh. go full mount real quick, Luke. Oh, no. It You're looks like a with this fire festival. Yeah, what is... I mean, come on. Look, you know, I understand when you're young, but old people getting into fights, uh, you know... I could understand I old guys in a backyard playing football. You pitch you pitch right to the old halfback. He runs into the red car face first. We saw that video. I can understand that. What's going on here, though? You know, credit to the guy in white, though. If you're going to go full bore on this whole thing, you got to be the one who strikes first. What, what do they say from Cobra Kai? Strike first, strike hard, no mercy. Is that something like that? Sir. Sir, yes. You know, he took yes. he took that to heart. Indeed. All right, let's move on here. Uh, check out this guy. Uh, I, I really can't set it up, Luke. All I know is this had to hurt. Oh, my God. <laughs> How would you explain this show to somebody? How would you explain this show? It's like, well, we discuss MMA topics, combat sports. And then we just watch dicks and balls and uh, usually trauma. We watch, uh, look, we watch you, guys get... You can't get... laugh your way through through this quarantine. <laughs> oh, Luke. listen, I mean, what are you listen do, I'm, right? I'm laughing. I'm laughing, but I'm serious. Like, if I... It, I do, does anyone in your family... We think we talk about this. Does anyone in your family watch your stuff, like watch your shows or whatever? I, I try not to allow them. My, my mom did just tell me that she's, she follows the uh, Morning Combat account, so she's been seeing some yeah. of this, and she loves it. So... No, no one in my family gives a shit about any of the stuff I do, which is fine, it, it turns out, in retrospect. It, but if they did, and they asked me, why do you air stuff like this? I, I understand you, and I think it's good for the show, but I don't know how I'd, I'd, I'd like... What's the through line from, hey, UFC 249 is trying to deal with COVID-19 to here's a guy, balls and dicks up, having a door shut yeah. on him. I don't it's know how to do that. It's the same self-realization I think that meth users go through. They're like, you know, I, I never thought I'd end up here, but, you know, how did I get here? But, you know, it just feels good. You just keep going. I mean, I got, a, I got armpit stains. It really felt, it fits in well here. All right, Luke, let's roll on here. Right. We talk let's about opening back up beaches and stadiums. Everything's going to change post-COVID. How about a post, oh, this, this is another post-COVID haircut, Luke. Dude, um, this what one, is though, is, that? is as barbaric and ridiculous. That's got to hurt. Is that like a sheep shear? Yeah. I mean, it is It is quick and efficient, though. Dude, what is wrong with these people? And he's doing it in a barn? I mean, you want that You want that. Uh, that, that, that close shave look, that feel, you know, baby's bottom? You, Bro, you pull this is how... The, when, I, when I went to boot camp and they give you a haircut when, they get you, when you get there at like, you know, two in the morning or whatever, dog, it hurts so bad because they're just trying to rifle through everybody. So they just take those clippers and they're just running it over your scalp as hard as they can. It reminds me of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't care about you, Luke. I, I saw Full Metal Jacket. I see how that ends. Uh, Luke, remember you told me that at Dolphin Stadium they can't be out there because they're going to be in line pissing near each other. I got a solution for that. This is the future of sports bars post-quarantine. What are your thoughts on this? Oh, God, that is a great idea. Well, aren't you the one that just goes to the movie? Again, Hoagie Farts here, the winner of all winners. Yeah. Uh, 
I love this idea. And aren't you the one that went to the movies and was just like you were spraying everything around you like a No, that was Sean Coyne. That was my old friend Sean Coyne, just letting that thing out in the middle of the movie theater. There'd be like couples, you know, 10 rows up on a date, and it's just like sliding downhill at their feet. Yeah. You you know, I can't imagine that a bar like this would generate a lot of women. But uh, (laughs) depending on where you are in life, who cares, right? Well, if you notice, there's a tap at each chair. So you have not only your own you know, bear, beer tap, you have your own. So it, it comes in and it goes out in the same spot. No transaction. Maybe you just pay one price at the door. Uh, I, I kind of like this. I mean, I, I wouldn't like if you, if you turn, you could, you could accidentally tee on tee a guy real quick. I wouldn't like that. But I'll, if you can do it discreetly, Luke. You, you ever been to those bars where you sit at the table and then the table has its own beer tap and you can just like serve yourself? I have not you ever done that. that. No. Yeah, they're scams because you end up paying a lot. But uh, kind of reminds me of that, except they didn't have a latrine built into any of them. My grandfather once drove me from uh, Connecticut to Florida, and he brought this like giant bottle just in case, so he could relieve himself while driving. I thought that was disgusting in hindsight, but this this would fit in well with that. Dumb and Dumber style. I have done that on road trips, by the way. I am that man. All right, that's well That's well done. All right, we got one more for you, Luke. You know uh, pro wrestler slash MMA fighter Bobby Lashley? He posted a video of his chiropractic techniques. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh my God, Luke. What does that feel like? I mean, this is a real pro athlete, Luke. That's... that's uh... so, so, hold on. So, this is Dr. Bo uh, from... Jackson Wink. I've actually had an adjustment from him. Now you've had this. Did not... This explains everything. Yeah. Well, we didn't go to this. He only fixed my shoulder. I don't know what is wrong. Bo Hightower is his name. I don't know what's wrong with Bobby Lashley. That getting his oil checked is the solution. <laughs> but well, you know, after but, a massage. Hold on, hold on. Let me say this. Like... Let me say this. Let me say this. Doctor Hightower does this, or different versions of it. For a lot of different people, that dude fixed my shoulder in the middle of one of its worst problems. So you know what? I don't know what the hell this witch doctor stuff is, but with me, he was he was great. All I know is after a massage, you just feel that warm feeling. You feel like you know you're you're just flying, like you're like a puppet. I guess if you get nailed in the sphincter like that too, it must just completely loosen you up, Luke. I'll take your word for it, BC. All right, hey Luke, have you seen that that shit? Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's good. I gotta say, hoagie farts. That's uh, that's that's what you bring to this show, right here. <laughs> Luke, you got a few more jobs. We're almost done with this show, right? We are almost done. I do have a few more jobs. Uh, time for odds and ends. BC, go first. Actually, you know what? I'll go first because it's the bigger topic of the two. If I can, real quickly, uh, for my odds and ends, episodes five and six of the last dance aired last night. BC, a lot of different takeaways to get from it. First of all, is this not just Michael Jordan? <laughs> taking part in a documentary that's 10 parts so 20 30 years later he can still tell isaiah thomas to go fuck himself it's a much <laughs> it's, it's amazing it's how great. much this dude it's, hates him like i said last week that you know jordan's a 10 out of 10 from a performance standpoint look i do yeah. not know maybe in combat sports because guys tend to be more honest and trash talky i do not know another pro athlete who would deliver like this, who would sit down, keep old grudges alive, and, and almost start some new ones and just hammer out everyone, even people he likes. You know, he's, he's still kind of telling you the, the honest truth of it. 
It is incredible. And they didn't even tell the, fir- the full Isaiah story. The reason why him and Isaiah fell apart was when Jordan was a rookie at the All-Star game, Isaiah organized a freeze-out where everyone stopped passing him the ball because they thought he was rising too quick endorsement-wise. And by the way, the same thing happened to Shaq at the 94 All-Star game, which, which people don't talk about enough, um, where they double and triple teamed him every time they got the ball because he had a rap album because he was doing movies. That's where that beef started. I loved watching that play out. And I know there's a lot of nerdy director types like Jay during our pre-show who's just hammering the space-time continuum of this film, Luke, how they're going from year to year and back and forth. I'm not getting whiplash from that. I'm loving it, Luke. Here's my problem. I don't get whiplash from it because there's so many interesting stories to get told. But what ends up happening on occasion, not all the time, BC, but on occasion, is that sometimes a certain topic overall will get full treatment, but it gets it in these light touches over time rather than sort of kind of all at once or at least all in two parts. And I don't necessarily love that aspect of it, but my biggest takeaway from yesterday, and there was two episodes, you could pick a lot of different things. But to me, it was just how fun it was to be a kid in 1992 when the Barcelona games came around and the yes. Dream Team was there. My God, dude, to, why, and to, to hear Magic Johnson talk about the practice where he tried oh, to stunt God. on Jordan and then Jordan stunted on him. I got to tell you, dude, that was one. I remember when they let pros in because at first my mom was like, why are they going to let pros play basketball? And I didn't know anything about sports enough to have a strong opinion about it. And then when I saw them, I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Uh, so dude, to people, me, people don't that realize was my the favorite build thing. toward that 92 Olympics was, was everything. I mean, it was, we're going to kick the crap out of the rest of the world with this super team. By the way, the 7 Eleven Cups, I wish I saved them all. Remember those during the, during the original Dream yes. Team run? You'd get a poster with the Slurpee Cup. It was incredible. Uh, and they'd have a different player every week. That was fantastic. And those practices in Monte Carlo, if you've ever seen the NBA TV documentary on the Dream Team, I've been obsessed with those for 30 years, Luke. I even bought that book. I think Jack McCallum wrote it about the Dream Team just to kind of read the inside details of that. Talk about being a fly on the wall. That would have been incredible. Yeah, that would have been incredible. And I'll, I'll just um, – the stuff with Tony Kukoc is really interesting too, how they kind of bullied him because he was Jerry Cross's guy. There was really – I mean, there's so much – well, There's Dan so Marley much to was to be Jerry Cross's Jerry Cross's guy too. Are we? Are they starting to paint the late Jerry Cross as sort of like let me try to find the great white hope and I can replace Jordan and Pippen and and uh, bring him in here and finally you know get some credit to myself? Well, what what championship was it where afterwards he goes? You know, obviously this is a great win for the team, but what this really yes. shows down to the equipment managers is this is a great organization. And he's got a point about that. Like, if you just look at NFL teams, the ones that draft the best consistently year over year, they're in the playoffs more. They just do better. You do want to have a great front office and that front office to help build a great team. But when you've got transcendental talent like that, and you kind of, and some of that was just, yes, Jerry Krause's engineering, but also like a bit of a stroke of luck have a little humility about why you're actually where you are and how little you're going to be able to replicate what's happening here. It's like drafting Tony Kukoc in 1990, brilliant move, yet holding him over Jordan and Pippen and kind of creating this disharmony. It's just ridiculous. I do want to hit the main theme of what was uh, the second episode, uh, Jordan's you know, other side, the dark side, so to speak. Uh, Luke, does he have a gambling addiction or a competitive addiction? Because I'm, I'm going with the former. I mean, this guy's like betting quarters with mullet-wearing old-ass security guards who, by the way, pack in big-time heat, those dudes. Dude, if you're buying Scottie Pippen a set of clubs so you can take money off of him when you go golfing, and that's the only reason why he has a set of golf clubs, you got a problem. 
You got a real, real problem. That dude was an absolute addict to gambling. He's sitting yes. here doing, BC, this entire sit-down with a rack of cigars next to him in this palatial estate he lives in with a drink, and he's got jaundiced eyeballs the entire time. My man loves nothing more than sitting at a table and recklessly playing. Even Magic Johnson was saying, it, you can't just gamble with Jordan. It, he has to beat you and then step on your throat oh. when he does it. It's not enough for him. So it's probably both things, but yeah, you're right. He's addicted to gambling. I mean, him going to that $1 table with like the Will Purdue types and just killing them for their money. By the way, this guy is the MVP. He just passed away last year. He was Michael's like personal family security guard as well. Um, this is the least imposing security staff i know they're all ex-cops and they're they're wearing they're wearing guns but do you see the guys he surrounds himself with just a bunch of old bastards and he sits in the room and just you know gambles for 20 dollar bills rolling dice with them i mean maybe that's the real michael at his core and maybe that was you know his some of his only times to feel like a regular dude when they did properly in this documentary um portray how hard it is obviously to be the you know the, the most famous man in the world at that point he seems to look it worked for him Right? Seems to have kind of figured it out. So God bless him. Uh, it's great. But, so but look, five this, and six said yesterday. Yeah, and I'm not going to complain about the. I, I wish this had 100 parts because, you know, they went through that, the, the Bulls Knicks rivalry, which is just some incredible series. They didn't even mention that 92 series that went seven games. Um, the, I could just watch the. Look, I could watch a full documentary on every playoff series. This is great. And it's, it's bringing back so much 90s basketball love. Uh, look, I. In this day and age with streaming and we have way too many options for entertainment, I'm going to be honest, I find it really hard to watch current pro sports and sit through a whole game and really be actively in, in it. I could go back on YouTube and I do it regularly, put on a 90s game, and look, I watch every second. I watch it from start to, I watch the whole pregame show, I watch the whole damn thing. It was better, you know? When they when they let you hand check a guy, when you could basically yeah. assault somebody in the middle of the lane, when, you know, <laughs> man, I miss that. Uh, when men were men. Uh, okay, BC, what is your uh, odds and ends? Yeah, I thought it was weird this past week when, you know, boxing's looking for any headlines, but you saw a lot of headlines coming out with Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury being discussed, you know, some super fight for all the heavyweight titles and Saudi Arabia potentially getting involved. And then you're seeing everybody, including ESPN, coming out and writing stories about it. I actually thought it was a little bit reckless because of this. I don't doubt that Saudi Arabia is not trying to make this fight or throwing stupid amounts of money at it, but Deontay Wilder's got a contractually obligated, kicked-in trilogy that's got to happen. And let's not forget Kubrat Pulev, who's had the mandatory on Anthony Joshua for so long. Um, both guys are going to be needed to pay to paid giant amount of money to step aside. It's not that the money wouldn't be there. It's that until we have some kind of confirmation that these guys are even willing to, you know, sit down at a table and hear the potential amount of money to step aside, it's way too early to be writing stories or even talking about a Fury Joshua fight, which by the way would probably be the biggest fight you can make in the sport outside of some kind of like Mayweather Pacquiao rematch. So I want to see that fight like everybody. I want to see one universal heavyweight champion, but I mean there's a lot of obstacles to get through first so uh people need to slow their roll a bit bc as we close today's show true or false saturday night at midnight is brian campbell wearing pants 
Shorts. I'll be wearing shorts. You know those. Uh, you know what has become my now that the weather's better. My my uh, quarantine savior. Running shorts with the built-in underwear. You just throw a pair on, Luke. Don't shower for oh, three yeah. days. It it accomplishes two jobs in one piece of fabric. So yeah, I'll be wearing the uh, the Nike so running wait. shorts that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> You're basically wearing swim trunks. <laughs> yeah, swim trunks. I mean, because you get to a point where you you know you know this. You just stop showering for a while, and you know yeah. you know, the, the what you wore to bed last night is what you wear over at the uh, at the chainsaw area when you're mauling wood and then you know yeah all right fair enough well bc i know you've been waiting for these fights almost more than anyone else i know saturday is going to be huge but before we get there i need to remind folks go to showtime.com right now for 30 days you can get a free trial if you like it you can keep it if not you can bounce and me and bc here we got some stuff in store for you this week and, of course, next Monday we're going to have great reactions to everything. Plus, we'll preview the two upcoming fights, BC, that happen later on next week. So subscribe to the channel. Give the video a thumbs up. If you want BC's social media for Instagram or Twitter, there you have it. Mine is on the screen as well. We appreciate everyone's support. BC, let me give a shout-out to a Twitter account that does a lot of good for us. Have you seen Morning Combat No Context? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Can, let me get, let me shout him out. You can go to at mk underscore no underscore context. I'm not affiliated with this. Are you affiliated with this in any capacity? Not at all. But they tend to grab my most uh, ridiculous words and pull them out of context. So it's great. But they certainly do, and they do that with me as well. I love everything about it. So give them a follow uh, as well. I want to thank the viewers for sticking through us. So sticking through us, sticking with us, and uh, through you're thinking of Bobby Lashley. That yeah, doing that us, as well. Yeah. But here's. In all seriousness, BC, we've not had fights for a while. This show, I'll be honest, I think it functions best when there are events. So we've had to you know, do a tap dance here and a little a, a, a jig and a move there. But I, I, I don't know. I'm just really appreciative of the audience that we've got here, the ones that have stuck by us, the ones that have continued to stick by us. Obviously, next week it'll be back kind of what, to what we were, not in the same room, but more of what the show was designed to do. And I'm excited for that, but I want to say, you know, even if there's no fights, I've been really, really, really appreciative of everyone who stuck around for us, and I know you feel yeah. the same. Absolutely. The ones who followed us over to uh, Morning Combat Classics as we relive some great fights, people who have been like, hey, uh, I don't even care about sports. I just want to see you guys argue and talk about whatever. And look, you teased something there. You said Morning Combat's going to have more for them this week. What are you talking about? We'll have to see. I don't want to say much more than that. How about we leave it at that? But be on the lookout is what I will say, right? Sound good to All you? Right. Spoiler alert. Yes. All right. Can't wait. There we go. All right. Well, for Brian Campbell over at CBS Sports, I am Luke Thomas. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks to Showtime, Malcolm, and everyone else who makes the show possible. And until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.